0: I think that morning routine is just so critical and then you know from there it's about um, uh, really I've got a routine of essentially working uh, on my business as far as making sales calls and planning the morning Um, there's a whole routine there and then in the afternoons it's really about uh, appointments seeing properties finding deals meeting with clients so I try to keep it as as routine as possible because the consistency I find is really key.
1: You are listening to the Savvy Real Estate Investor Show, the podcast dedicated to empowering you to invest for your family's future. Listen in to learn about different strategies successful investors use to live their best lives. Whether you are starting out on your real estate wealth building journey or a seasoned investor looking for the next unfair advantage, this is the show for you. Each conversation will help you be more savvy when it comes to understanding how to leverage real estate to achieve your goals and live an extraordinary life. Your host is none other than seasoned investors and power couple, Jose and Khadija Jafferji, founders of the Savvy Real Estate Group, where we have been helping passive investors grow their wealth and getting them one step closer to financial freedom since 2008. Hey,
2: fellow Savvy Real Estate investors, we have Tom Poboyuski on the show today. Tom was a former CPA who left his corporate job and now is an investment-focused real estate agent, investor, and an amazing house flipper. who has created a really cool model for his clients to be able to flip houses as well. Since 2011, he has transacted in over 1,200 properties for both investors and end users and runs a very successful real estate sales team in the GTA.
3: In uh, today's episode, we were able to talk to Tom about the greater Toronto real estate market uh, from a boots on the ground perspective, uh, how to find deals and to create value, especially when you're flipping properties. Um, We also talked to Tom about why he decided to jump into a frozen lake, but you'll have to listen in to hear the full story. So here's Tom.
2: Hello, we have Tom Pobljewski on the show. hope I pronounced that correctly. Uh, Tom, welcome to our show.
0: Thank you for having me, guys. And, uh, I, you know, the last name, uh, I know it gets a little confusing, so it could be Pobljewski, Pobljewski. I'm all good. so uh, <laughs> Pobljewski. I, really I won't take any offense to it. It's all good.
2: And, you know, just to start off, I'm curious to know, when you got started in real estate and, and what did you do before that?
0: Yeah. So my story, I guess, you know, I'll first start by telling you guys that like real estate really, it changed my life. Okay. But so I originally, by, my, just to give you some context. So I originally was in the financial world. So I'm a CPA and I worked for one of the big four accounting firms in uh, downtown Toronto at the time. And I was looking for a way to kind of get ahead quite honestly. And I was told the way to get ahead is you get an awesome corporate job. You work there for 30 years, you make a a lot of money and then you retire, right? You climb the ranks and you pay your dues and you go through the motions. And I found out like within about maybe quite honestly a few months, but I stuck around for almost six years that I couldn't do that for 20, 30 years. Like it felt like I was, was almost like a prison sentence. And I said to myself, if I'm going to be doing something for 20 or 30 years, I better love it. So um, I went through kind of different stages of my life where uh, looking for ways to kind of get ahead. And at first that was uh, I was doing the stock market thing. So I was trading in stocks and trying to get ahead, essentially. And sure enough, it was going well up until 2008. And in 2008, the market imploded and so did about 40 percent of what I had invested and as I mentioned, at the same time, I wasn't really happy in my corporate life, to the point that I wrestled with the idea of, of quitting, and within about, I think, eight months of being unhappy and so on, I said, "You know what, I'm going to take a hiatus and I'm going to just figure things out." So not working at the time and just just trying to figure out, well what, what should I follow? What kind of passion should I follow?" And sure enough, um, I, I actually my father he's the one approached me, said, he's a realtor, and he said, "You know what I've got this property." And I'm thinking about flipping it. Would you like to partner with me? And I was like, okay, I don't know anything about flipping properties. Uh, but what would that entail? He goes, okay, I'll be the, the money partner. And you'll be the guy managing it. You'll find the contractors. You'll develop all the, uh, the, the color schemes, etc. cetera. And um, we'll split it 50-50. So sure enough, it was this uh, Mississauga townhome, stack townhome for 130 grand. And I worked on this project for like three months, basically managing it and so forth. And and at the same time, trying to figure out well, what I want to do with my with my life at this point. And sure enough, with this, with this flip, we managed to actually net about 30 K off of it. We split it 50-50. And I took a trip to Costa Rica with that money to enjoy a bit of life. But, but it was like an aha moment to me. I'm like, Oh, this is really interesting. I, I don't have to like really work maybe 40 hours a week and I can basically make money somewhat passively. And I say somewhat because there's still an active component to it. Sure enough, I did go back in the corporate world in a different role, but I was also flipping properties on the side. So on top of my salary, I was like flipping properties and making, let's say, like 15 or 20K per flip. I do two or three a year, which for some people may or may not be sexy. But at the time, I was only making about maybe 90000 a year, and this was like maybe 40000 So it's like almost 50% of my salary. And I absolutely just loved it, just loved it to the point that about two years later, so this is about 2011, I um, got my realtor's license. I started on top of not only investing in real estate and flipping, I was actually selling. So, and within about two, three months, I managed to build a pipeline of business that I was able to leave my corporate gig and get into a full time realtor role. So, my first, to summarize, my first uh, venture into real estate was this flip. That enabled me to get this aha moment, like you know what, there, there are different ways to get ahead. It doesn't have to be the corporate route. You can you can do this in a different manner. So that was kind of my first taste in, in flipping and getting in, getting becoming a realtor and now being a an investor as well.
2: Oh, that's amazing. And and the fact is that you saw your dad like you know being a, a self employed or business owner, but he was not into flipping or, or investments at all
0: at that point, right? Well, actually, he definitely did some, not a lot. I mean, he had rental properties. And quite honestly, I used to listen in the background and hear like all the stuff you had to deal with, right? Tenants and so forth. But what I discovered was that he had a lot of these properties in undesirable areas of um, because he would buy them like less expensively uh, in less expensive areas. And he was dealing with a lot of problematic tenants. So I never thought about, to be honest with you, I was, like, not really into getting rental properties because I kind of overheard what was happening while I was a kid. But sure enough, kind of fast forward in about 2010. So, again, I flipped that property in 2009. I bought my first long-term rental in 2010. It was a semi-detached property in Oshawa for, again, $130,000. Sounds like a no-brainer. But if you remember, Oshawa was, and the GM was not doing very well at the time. right? There was a government bailout. There was... It was just not a good time. But with blind faith, I said, you know what? The stock market thing didn't work out. Um, I'm going to put 20% down on this property, which was about 30K at the time. And I'm going to see, you know, what happens. So with blind faith, I was like, okay, let's just see what, what will entail. And I struggled a little bit because I really didn't know a lot about rental properties. But I decided to, get, I, I basically got rented out. And then as, thing, as time went on, within a couple of years, I, I refinanced that property for 190000 and it was like another aha moment, right? Because I was like, "Wait a minute! I literally just invested thirty thousand. It went up sixty grand. I tripled my money essentially within a couple of years." And I was like, "I'm onto something here. I'm really onto something." So um, I pursued that further. Right over time, started buying more assets with my the active business income I was getting from uh, not only flipping properties but selling real estate. And that's what I've been doing is basically using that active income to buy long-term assets, refinancing them, and then putting that again into um, into the business and so forth. Yeah.
3: Yeah. And uh, I think that you touched on something really good here, which is that uh, real estate has two components, right? There's an active component and a passive component or sort of a cash flow uh, move as well as an equity move, I guess you can call it, right? So you're using your, your active business, which is real estate. Um, so that's one side of it, which is generating your income. So your flips and your real estate sales, sales business. And then you're funneling that money into a uh, sort of a long-term equity play, which is your buy and hold. And, and really like you know, you don't you don't have to be one or the other. You can you can be both or you can be one. Uh, some people some people just, uh, you know, have th- they're real realtors or things like that. They have a real estate business and some people are simply investors. But you can bring income from anywhere, really, and, and utilize it to buy things like asset in the real estate space. Right.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's essentially what it com- came down to was using active income to invest into long term assets, refinancing those. And then as you also building your income, you can actually qualify for more mortgages. So that's one advantage I did. I didn't try to hide my income from the government. <laughs> I actually declared it and that enables me to get more financing from the banks. And then it just kind of went in this, in this loop, in this circle. Um, and it's just been like, just an amazing, like I said, it really just changed my life completely as far as it, not only the financials, but I mean, really it's also helped uh, retire my wife. She's a full-time mom. So She's able to devote herself to, to the kids. Um, it's created a nest egg, uh, but it really gave me a sense of purpose and passion, which I didn't have in the corporate world. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah it's uh, yeah, it's amazing what uh, even one property can do for you. And and we've we've had those same aha moments as well in our journey
3: yeah I know they they are definitely aha moments, and uh, you know, really um, propels you propels you forward, right? So um yeah, walk us walk us forward in time now. so now you you know you've started, you've uh, started establishing a real estate uh, uh, real estate brokerage or real estate team team. what What does that look like for you today? and And can you tell us a little bit about what the structure looks like, what you guys do, and who you work with, um, and perhaps what areas you guys work in?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So I mean, really, we have um, kind of two main businesses. So there's the sales team, um, the sales function. So that is um, basically it's myself. Uh, we have a team of real team of realtors and admin staff, basically. And we help over 150 families per year, um, either buy their dream home, sell their property or find the investment properties. So on a daily basis, that's what we're doing. That's our one of our active businesses. And then as I mentioned, we do have um, a business of um, flipping properties. So we're doing I'm doing that. Uh, and then there's managing the portfolio. Uh, one of the key things that we focus on too is like really fix and flips. So not only for like ourselves, but we actually help a lot of investors uh, dive into fix and flips and how that all works. And it was interesting because like when people were asking, well, how do you flip a property? And I noticed the questions were always very similar and they kind of fell into three buckets. So I and I developed kind of this very simplistic model called like the three pillars of a successful flip. And it really came down to the property. So like, is it a good deal? Right. That's usually a question you get. Is it going to sell for the price that you're thinking? Um, what's the ARV going to be? So that's like the first pillar it's like property. And then the second pillar was like financing. Well, how are you going to finance this? How much is going to cost me? So that's that piece. And then the last one's contractors or who's going to do the work. And the questions would be like, is this person reliable? And how much is it going to cost, et cetera? And what I noticed is that if you, as long as you have all three pillars, you basically have yourself a successful flip. If You're missing one of those then you're going to jeopardize that deal. So going back to those three pillars, um, the way we approach it is we help investors uh, achieve basically to align those three pillars. So what that means is finding the properties for them. So that could be on or off market. Secondly is the financing piece. So what we're able to do if someone can't qualify for the bank, um, we have ways to get private lending for them. So through our network of individuals, and it's not through a broker. It's actually just investors that have some excess capital that want to invest on a passive basis. And then when it comes to contractors, well, we've – done this enough times that we developed some great relationship with contractors that know our 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 uh, systems that know the color palettes that know basically the quality that we're expecting and then we patch that all together for that investor and we keep it really simple yeah, yeah, that's, that's amazing really,
3: yeah it's so cool yeah yeah, yeah no, you make is, it sound simple but <laughs> yeah
2: it, it, it's it's you know uh, we personally as you know we do flips as well And uh, our projects you know it it, it they're not as easy as what tom makes it sound like but you know you the fact that you you have the three uh pillars and that that is that is truly a, what's makes a, a successful flip uh, as long as you execute that and manage it well so in regards to uh the 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 flips uh, so you know if somebody um an investor wants to start uh with a flip they would contact you and, and well, uh, what uh, the kind of the process or how would you Find a property for them. Is it in a specific geographic area?
0: Yeah, it's a great question. I mean, so if someone was to say, "Hey, um, I'm interested in flipping," what would I do? You know, I I explain first off those that that model that I mentioned to you, right? So they kind of understand the framework, and then from there, what I like to do typically is show them the properties that we're involved in because we do about let's say twenty to thirty between ourselves and other investors, and so I'll I'll share with them. I found people are really visual, right? They kind of want to touch feel smell whatever the case may be and it could be at different stages of a project it could be the before so we have like one that's like smells like cat pee so you know you'll kind of get a taste of what that looks like and then you'll have one in, in the middle and then a finished product so i like to bring people through kind of that the different stages of what that looks like right and then from there it's just a matter of uh, figuring out well, what makes the best sense for that individual right it Location, sometimes becomes important because whether people want to travel really far or not. But we focus generally on the West GTA. So your Mississaugas, your Tobacco's, Hamilton, even uh, Kitchener. But I generally like to stay in the West GTA because that seems to be um, our, our kind of go to or like we have a really good understanding of the area so we can kind of call our shot. And essentially, it's also just understanding the kind of the experience of the individual as you mentioned, like you've got some that are really, really going to be more of a headache than others. Some will be cosmetic. Some may require some additional coordination, perhaps structural. Although I tend to stay away from structural. But again, I, I have one client, for example, that wants the hardest ones because he finds that he gets a better return for it. So it's just a matter, I think, you got to kind of tailor to the individual, and I try to handhold the client through that until they can kind of prove themselves and then kind of can can tolerate more of the sort of more um, difficult projects
3: yeah and um, in terms of uh, you know the, the the deals themselves you guys are sourcing these deals um, you know talk to us a little bit about the market and uh, you know the last several months have been have been quite the wild ride out here in the GTA and are you able to source deals on market do they come off market and and how is the it, you know, real estate climate affected that for you and your clients.
0: Yeah. I mean, honestly, so out of those three pillars, so going back to that, I think our biggest challenge right now is property, meaning finding enough deals, because there's definitely more demand than supply currently. So your question is like, where do we find them uh, both on and off market? So um, believe it or not, you can still find some pretty darn good deals on MLS if if you're savvy and patient enough. I'm right now looking at one that I think we've got. Um, and there is a reason why it's at a discount. There is a tenant involved, uh, and yet yeah, an assumption of tenant. But, um, let's just say that we have a strong inclination that that tenant will not stay there come closing. Um, but it is like a, like again, a pretty good deal when you look at the numbers, which I can kind of walk through. We also do off market. So we, we do network with a lot of wholesalers. I mean, to be honest with you, like four or five years ago, like I didn't even know really wholesaling existed. I thought it was just purely a U.S. thing. And the, one of the biggest wholesalers in Canada at the time, he was just really a smaller operation. I was like, I said to him, like, I didn't know this existed because I did a deal with him. Like, I didn't know this existed quite honestly. This is an American thing. And he goes, me too. <laughs> and and so partnering with, with different wholesalers, what I what I found was good is if I, if I was able to deal with them and make their job easy. So... I mean, basically taking properties off their hands without asking a lot of questions, giving them a smooth closing, they would typically um, want to do business with me. Um, And that's the thing. I think if you make someone else's life easier, they'll want to do business with you on a more consistent basis, right? Um, And also, we do have realtors that approach us, know what we're doing. And they say, you know what, my client uh, quite honestly doesn't want to go on market there for whatever reason. They want to remain anonymous or they don't like the condition of their home. Are you interested in this deal? And we are able to source properties that way so the most powerful i find is just networking with individuals i think that's that's uh that's one of the things yeah
2: yeah you built a you built a track record you built you know you've got uh, good relationships with uh with the wholesalers and uh, other agents uh so yeah and that's that's what's most important in this world you know it's, it's all about relationships
3: yeah for sure and so you you mentioned um the numbers on that and you know listeners like numbers. Um, Maybe walk us through a hypothetical deal, like perhaps is one that you're potentially looking at or, you know, another one that comes to mind. Um, Maybe you don't mind sharing, you know, what what that would look like for somebody.
0: Yeah, sure. Um, I can go through one we just did. For example, the only thing I'll say is like the, this is really an extreme case. Like this is not something we typically target, but let's, I'll walk you through it. Sure. So this was a townhouse in um, Mississauga. We purchased it, or I should say, I purchased it on market. So an MLS deal available to everyone, it was purchased for 590,000. condo townhouse. Uh, the ARV on that at the time, was about 750. So this was about uh, August of 2021. And we, that's what I said, OK. ARV, 750, the net profit on that, so that's not just renovations, that's also the commissions and transaction costs was going to be about 40k. And typically I aim for about 30, 40k. I aim for single bases. sometimes you hit home runs. if you're, And that's what I found is if you're in the game, you're gonna sometimes potentially hit a home run. But I'm, I'm happy even with 40K at the end of the day for this project. And this really was a cosmetic renovation. It did require HVAC to be, it was an electric baseboard heating, so we converted it to a um, forced air system. And sure enough, it was ready by around December. It took a little longer than we expected. I had some delays, COVID, et cetera. And by December of 2021, it was, it was ready to go. Uh, we took offers on that property, and I noticed that the market was surging. I'm sure you guys noticed as well. We just had this huge lift in December to the point that um, we, we took offers in the new year because it was over the Christmas break. We put on the market for two weeks, and we had over 40 offers for that property, 43 to be exact, Wow,
2: 43. And this is in December?
0: This is in December, in the middle of Christmas, uh, again, we took it after the new year just yeah. to. Yeah, yeah. Because no, for that yeah reason. So
2: Usually, you know, like things slow down during that time, right? <laughs> the, the last two weeks of the year.
0: Yeah, it's usually slower. You're right. So, again, we thought it was going to sell for 750 at the time in August. We listed it for 739 Again, the market was surging. That property ended up selling for 997000
3: Holy Jeebus. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's crazy.
0: Now that's honestly and I'll be truthful with your audience here that is the best flip I've personally ever done. Um, I was not expecting that. Quite well I don't think anyone's expecting it but as I mentioned sometimes if when you're in the game and you do it do it very consistently uh you might strike lightning in a bottle or, or in this case you know a home run.
2: For sure.
3: Yeah, I know and I think that's 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 key cuz it's like the more you do it the more the chances are, right? That you're going to you're going to end up with a few of these um home runs and and, you know, it's funny too, because Jose and I, sometimes we get, we get those home runs in our business too sometimes. And we're like, oh man, like we're just got so lucky this time. Like it's never going to happen again. But, you know, with time and volume, I mean, y- you do, it's it's, yeah. it's a numbers game, right?
2: And of course, I mean, you know, the market is in our favor uh, currently, right? If you bought six months ago to what it is now, you've got a huge jump and, you know, your projections at the time were much lower. <laughs> Right, so you're making a lot uh, bigger gains, but you know you have to be prepared for a slowdown. So maybe we can transition into this conversation. Like we're Q two of 2022 now. You know where do you think the market is heading now? We're obviously seeing like a slowdown in the number of uh, viewings and and offers. Wow. What's well, kind of nobody has a crystal ball, but what is what is
0: your yeah, prediction? You,
3: yeah, and what are you seeing, like boots on the ground?
0: Yeah, that's a great question. It's the most common question I get is, you know, how's the market, Tom? What's yeah, going yeah, on there? Yeah, exactly. So we're seeing plateauing right now. So remember, I quoted you forty-three offers earlier. Um, we're seeing on average maybe between two and five offers for a listing, if that. Sometimes there are none in some cases, uh, but we are starting to see the the prices level off. So I give you an example again. Put things in the context as I mentioned to you that townhouse in in Mississauga that we sold for nine ninety seven. I just sold a similar one for a million twenty five. So we are still the the prices are holding at the moment, and we still saw about a two or three percent jump from January. So it's it's natural that you're going to see it leveling off. I mean, to expect it to go up uh, what twenty percent per year? I think since the pandemic, prices have gone up forty percent. That's just absurd. The long-term average is 6 or 7%. So what I think has been happening essentially is you've got affordability that people can only pay so much for a home. You cannot keep going up. Uh, you have buyer fatigue. So buyers that have just got so frustrated, the hopefuls, that have just removed themselves from the market. So now you're left with the two to five offers essentially at the end of the day. Um, and then as far as like what's been happening, so a lot of people are talking about interest rates. And that being a factor, I don't doubt it is a factor, but I do feel that it is a lot priced in and everyone's looking at that. Where I feel the wild card is right now is um, government policy, is what is the government going to do or at least what they're thinking about doing to curb demand? And we've heard lots of rumors. Uh, we've heard, I mean, just yesterday, they increased the foreign buyer tax in Ontario, which seems marginal, but that's, I think, just the, the beginning of it. I think you're going to see some other policies that are there going to maybe affect investors with down payments. Um, I've heard, I don't know if this has already been true, but that they're going to tax uh, principal residences over a million bucks. So again, we'll see how that unfolds and how that will affect the market. Because if you remember 2017, so I don't know if your listeners remember 2017, we had also the same market. went up 20, 30% in a matter of a few months. And then the government announced something called the foreign, um, the what was it called again? It was the it was the foreign buyer tax, but essentially was there to again curb the demand, and it went down just as fast as it went up. So, and that was because again the liberal government stepped in, announced that, and sure enough, it changed the direction of the market. So that's what I feel is kind of a wild card right now.
2: Right. right.
3: Yeah. No. That's uh, that's definitely interesting, and I think that's something to. What do you feel about people in the market right now? Like, you know, everybody thinks it's, uh, you know, <laughs> it's a get rich quick thing, right? Like there's lots of speculative investors and lots of um, wannabe flippers uh, we see emerging ourselves. Um, are you noticing the same thing?
0: Well, definitely I've seen just the demand in, in real estate and uh, people have a lot more, I think, excess cash from the equity built up in their home. And think they're realizing, well, I can do something with this. We've certainly seen an increase. I mean, the one thing I will say also just about the market is in the short run, it's anyone's guess if it's going to go up or down. But I fundamentally believe that in the next five or 10 years, real estate will be worth more than it is today. So I think if you have a long-term outlook that um, you'll come on top. I mean, just going back to 2017, I mean, I saw my rental properties go down in value, but they've since then, of course, increased. So with, with those people that are coming into the market, I think they should have a long-term outlook um, because where I've seen the most um, wealth created is by long-term buy and holds. I've, I've, I've been measuring it for so many years, right, that, that I'm like, oh, over time, uh, even though in the, in, the, in the beginning stages, you don't see it, but by year two, three, or five, you're going to see that growth. So have that long-term outlook on real estate.
2: Yeah, for sure. So um, I wanted to transition into you know uh, you mentioned your primary strategy was flipping, and then are you with the proceeds that you the you know with the capital that you're you're getting are you putting into putting into long term rent uh, buy and holds uh, or other
0: strategies? That's right. So like so my primary um, again my primary strategy are fix and flips, long term buy and holds, and also with that burrs so wherever I can burr a property. So, yeah, we reinv- I reinvested into, um, like right now, I've got a duplex conversion in Kitchener that, we've, that uh, is underway. We just finished one there um, not too long ago. Um, I've got a triplex. For example, I have just reinvested money into a, a, a triplex in the beaches. Uh, this one was turnkey. I'm, normally, I don't always go for turnkey, but this one was a good opportunity uh, for me personally. I think it was a good fit. Um, so, it's a turnkey uh, product there. Um, but yeah, I'm always looking to reinvest the money, some, and sometimes I even put them into private mortgages as well. So again, it's kind of like a mixed bag of different sort of investments.
2: Right. Oh, that's great.
3: And uh, what does your portfolio look like as a whole? And how do, it, it sounds like you have stuff in different. Where wh- what areas are your properties in, and how do you how do you manage them?
0: So, uh, so I guess the portfolio. What does it look like right now? There, uh, my long term portfolio consists of uh, 14 properties, basically. Um, and they're really very simple. They're single family, duplexes, triplexes. I'm looking into getting the multiplex space. Um, but even the very, the simple sort of investments have done very well for me and, um, keep on working. So I'm still investing in those, in those assets. As far as location is concerned, as I mentioned, I started in Oshawa. And then I remember I bought my second one in Bowmanville, then in Mississauga. And there's one in Barrie, Toronto, Kitchener.
2: So you're east, <laughs> you west,
0: north. Yeah, you're
3: all over the place. So uh, who manages uh, everything, Tom?
0: Yeah, who manages everything? So I do have some property managers that are working some of the more further properties, but I have someone that works for me that's currently also managing. We manage it together. Um, so essentially it is somewhat in-house, and then there's also external third, external parties there. But again, I kind of went all over the place uh, because I saw that as one area grew, the other one would catch up. So when Durham got really hot and I was like, okay, I can't really make this numbers work as well. So then I went to Kitchener and so forth. And I don't some people may criticize. Well, that's not good. You should be focusing on one area. But what's given me good is that I got a lot of breath. Like I've got a lot of sense of, okay, what's happening in this market and that market and the swings, because as I mentioned, as one area goes up, you'll find that people will just uh, gravitate towards another area because of the affordability.
2: Yeah, no, and, and we did the same thing. We actually have properties in, uh, we have a portfolio in uh, Oshawa as well. And, and But our primary portfolio is in, in the Hamilton area, right? And we're, uh, we're now kind of diversifying into the U.S. market as well, just because it's been very difficult to make the numbers work here. And so how how are you able to make sense of um, the numbers right now? Uh, I know creatively you're adding second suites and maybe converting into triplexes, um, but anything else to add to that?
0: So, I mean, my definitely my long-term portfolio, like I focus on the cash flow, at least um, being cash flow positive to weather the storm. I've, I've always been been big about that. So that's why I haven't gotten involved really so much with condos per se, because um, I want to make sure that they're cash flow positive and they can weather the storm. I mean, and now we're looking, you know, it's, deals can be made, right? Um, through different ways. And now it's about trying to create deals. I'm looking into exploring like uh, garden suites, even in laneway homes for a couple of the Toronto properties that I own. Um, so, and believe, believe it or not, you can still find some of these properties out there, you know, even without doing Turnkey. You can still find them. You just have to kind of dig a little a little harder. I mean, this triplex in the beaches was an off market deal. Um, and uh was able actually found it through Facebook. <laughs> someone someone listed it there and I looked at them like I like this place. So we looked into it. Oh, but an weird. offer.
3: <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, really cool.
2: That you just have to be patient and keep digging. Yeah. Uh you you're you're absolutely right, Tim. Yeah.
3: Yeah. So, Tom, tell us, um, let's switch gears here. Tell us a little bit about, you know, mindset and your morning routine and how you stay focused. I mean, you're doing so many different things. You have a young family. Um, You obviously have a team to manage. Um, You know, what helps keep you motivated? Uh, What do you do to help yourself stay focused and, you know, continue on this trajectory of growth for yourself?
0: Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, really, uh, I'm really passionate about the morning routine. I think uh, winning the morning is really critical. And I've been working on that since like 2018. Um, every morning, my routine is like, wake up at six and hit the gym. Um, and I find like hitting the weights, um, doing some cardio and I built a home gym because of COVID. I built a home gym and I'm every day I do that. Like it's, there's no, there's no days off per se. Um, but that's like for a good hour, at least. And there, you know what? I'm listening to podcasts like you guys. You know, that's great for the mindset, listening to what you're able to contribute to the investor community. That's awesome. Um, listening to books. Um, I've also got coaches there and mastermind groups that I'm, I'm involved in um, just to keep me constantly motivated because there's so much negativity in the world that uh, it can really weigh down on you. Like one thing I, I don't do, honestly, is I don't really pay attention to the news a lot. I find it reaches me one way or another, but I really don't actively pursue the news because I find it's just too negative for me. So I like to just fill my head with with as much positivity as possible.
2: Yeah, you know what? uh, That's amazing.
3: It's Um, funny this thing you say, because I find it's a common thread with a lot of the people we talk to and, and us ourselves. We don't have cable at home. When we're in the car, we'd never listen to the news. We don't really know what's going on. And and when we're at family dinners and stuff, well, I, Jose will ask like our parents and stuff, right? Because they watch they watch the news. Like, hey, so like what's going on in the news? <laughs> um, but but you're right. It's it's oftentimes if it's
2: I'll, big enough, then you're gonna, you're gonna see, hear, it in, see it in, in, on, on social media yeah, or something yeah, yeah. like that, right? Yeah.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, it will definitely reach you. And I, I think that morning routine is just so critical. And then, you know, from there, it's about um, uh, really I've got a routine of essentially working uh, on my business as far as making sales calls and planning the morning. Um, there's a whole routine there. And then in the afternoons, it's really about uh, appointments, seeing properties, finding deals, meeting with clients. So I try to keep it as as routine as possible because the consistency I find is really key.
2: For sure,
3: yeah. And Tom, you have a young family. How do you how do you stay grounded and balanced with all of that? Um, Is is work life balance? Talk to us about work life balance. Is there such a thing?
0: Truthfully, I've been told by my own coaches that work life balance is a myth.
3: Yes, Uh, you're gonna
0: (laughs) you're gonna get some ups and downs. It's never going to be very even at any you know for a consistent basis. Um, but I think what really happens is that if you schedule time and time block it becomes really important. So what, what do I do is one of the things is like Sundays is like family day. So I don't normally work on Sundays. Um, I will take phone calls, etc, but I will schedule meetings from Monday through Saturday and then Sunday is family time we we, we, we do an activity, right? My kids love Nintendo Switch, so uh, we'll play Nintendo Switch and, and battle it out, uh, whatever the case may be. Um, but I really try to kind of time block and, and give time to, to the family as much as possible, right? Um, and Sundays are like one of those days, as an example.
2: Yeah, no, that's amazing. And, and uh, correct me if I'm wrong, you, you guys recently bought a cottage as well?
0: Uh, yeah. So a family, family cottage. cottage yeah. Um, so yeah, actually it's a, so my father purchased it. It's a family cottage there. He bought it in COVID. He had been wanting to buy something like that for like 20 years and I think COVID finally pushed him to do it. So uh, he said, it, so I said to him, if you buy the cottage, I'll buy the boat. Um, so, so I ended up nice. buying a boat, uh, which is great, but uh, no, we definitely like spending time up there. It's been, been a blast uh, just to get away from, from the city, right. Being in a new environment just really helps kind of clear your mind.
2: Yeah, and 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 I I saw I saw this uh, that you dove into a frozen lake at your cottage. Uh, tell us a little bit about that. Like, was that a challenge, or was that just something um, you wanted to do personally?
0: Uh, yeah, so so Jose, on, uh, so what Jose is talking about is like on January first, I decided, you know what, I'm going to do the polar dip. The polar dip—that's
3: uh, yes. what it's called. Okay.
0: Yeah, yeah. That was uh, that was done January first of um, the last year. So I was actually in the middle of the hard seventy-five program. Oh, yeah. Okay. I don't know if you've, you've heard of yes. the hard seventy-five. Yes.
2: You did it. You did it.
0: Okay, so you know what it's all about. So it's like conquering your mind, right, and uh, being able to do those daily set of challenges every single day, no excuses. And I think I was I was really on this high, right? I was, I was going. It was about forty to fifty days into it, and I was like, you know what? I really want to do this. Like I want to make, uh, the uncomfortable comfortable. And I was really uncomfortable. Like I was like, I don't know if I want to j- jump into this frozen lake at the end of the day. Right. Cause it's pretty frigid. So, but then in my mind, I'm like, well, now you can't back down N- now. you got to do it. You know that, right? Like you're not going to be able to live with yourself. Right. So, um, yeah. So on January 1st, uh, I took the plunge there. I, I actually ended up taping it as well and-, and kind of sharing it on social media, but, uh, Let's just say it was uh, a lot colder than I expected.
3: (laughs) (laughs) It always is, right?
2: Like, maybe walk us through the last like one minute before doing it. Like, you know, did you have like doubts that to back off? I I definitely didn't
0: have any doubts. I definitely didn't have any doubts. Um, One thing I got was like, make sure you wear shoes going into the water because you don't want to cut your feet.
2: Oh
3: man. Yeah. I didn't even think about that.
0: <laughs> but, but what hit me the most was when your, when your head goes down, so your body hits, you can feel it, but I can remember it vividly. When your head goes under the water, which is where most of your heat is stored or where you're going to have a heat loss, that's all of a sudden where it rushes in you. And if you look at the expression on my face, it's like a look of shock and, and you're like, just uh, your immediate reaction is like, jump out, jump out. And I try to like just slow myself down with some breathing exercises. So just go, you know, breathe in, breathe out, breathe in to kind of just, um, being able to handle that kind of adrenaline rush. So th- that's what I remember the most was the reaction and how to deal with that, that kind of, uh, circumstance, right. And that type of, uh, that whole experience.
2: Yeah, that is, that is remarkable. Yeah,
3: that's cool. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, there's something about entrepreneurship and, you know, pushing yourself, right. And doing things outside of your comfort zone. And, you know, it's almost like, you know, when it, when it gets easy, you got to make it hard again. You got to, you got to challenge yourself all over again. Um, You can't let yourself sink into that comfort, that complacency almost, right. Because you are your only driver, um, there's no one else driving you, right? There's no boss. There's no, you know, nobody standing over you telling you to push yourself. You really just have to internally learn to push yourself. And I think that's that's exactly what that's an example of, right? Like
0: being absolutely. able to push yourself. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I don't know if I I don't know if I, I can swear on here, but I, I have a, a saying on my gym. So it's in big red font. It says, fuck average, be legendary. And what that means to me is like it talks about what you just said, complacency. It's like, don't be satisfied with the status quo. Push that and and kind of grow because it's going to give you energy and it's going to propel you.
3: Yeah, no, and and, and it's yeah, no, it's it's such a comp like we're, we're we're so fascinated. This is like a this is like a an experiment for us talking to all these people who are, you know, entrepreneurs. And it's it's awesome because you find the same underlying message the same thread with so many people and the way that they live their life and the way that they practice their mornings and the way that they push themselves it's all it's interesting it's all very sort of repetitive and and yeah really fascinating for me
0: yeah I I don't know if you found this like even with the hard 75 program you know that's also pushing yourself and it's it, it sounds simple but to do it 75 days consistently which you've done I'm sure you can attest to this Um, but you'll find maybe sometimes you regress to old habits pretty easily and then you kind of have to check yourself and be like, am I, you know, regressing what I need to do to kind of adjust. So it's, I've, I've always found it's an ongoing battle, but in a positive way.
3: Yeah, absolutely. And again, not having, I think that that's the thing about all these different challenges. Sometimes, you know, even when I was, I was on another program over the summer and people would ask me like, why are you doing it? Like, why do you have to do, even my parents, like, why, why do you, why are you doing this? Why do you have to do this? You know, like I'd show up to dinner with a plate of green beans and they'd be eating whatever they're eating. Right. Um, and I said, no, like I do it because it allows me to focus on something that pushes me towards a goal. So I have this thing, I have these number of days I have to get through to get to this. And it it allows me to that personal satisfaction and allowing to push myself. And sometimes it's hard for other people to understand that if you don't have that, that specific number of days, that specific you know routine that you have to practice over those number of days, you do get back into. There, there's nothing dr- holding you or driving you right. You're you're going to go back to those, I don't know, whatever habits, and then you never feel good.
0: Absolutely, yeah. No, you're you're right. Um, I think it's just uh, like I said, you can easily regress to old habits. Um, so you got to challenge yourself and just make a make good habits and find ways to keep on pushing forward. Um, even with that, you know, that hard 75, there are different phases too. And I'm not endorsing, you know, I'm here to endorse the program, but since we're talking about it, um, I did phase one and phase one is the same thing, but they start adding additional challenges. One of those is a five minute cold shower each morning.
2: Oh, wow. wow.
3: (laughs) Yeah. Oh man, that would be hard for me.
0: (laughs) So that, that was, that I did uh, for, it was was only 30 days, but it took me a while to get from one minute to five minutes. I actually had to kind of practice that.
2: Yeah. Um, Yeah. No, I, I, I've tried that myself and. uh, Yeah. Five minutes is a long time, Tom. a long time. Yeah. (laughs) I, I've done like 30 seconds and yeah, it's, you know, the mental challenge is. It's it's all mental toughness, Yeah, It's just mental toughness more so than in, in any physical. Um, challenge, you know, it, it's it really really tests yourself. So, uh, your but those, your don't you find it gives you energy at
0: the end of the day when you challenge yourself and you push the envelope a little bit?
2: Yeah, yes. absolutely. That's right? it's, it's all just about stretching yourself, right? And that's where you grow.
0: Yeah. Whereas the complacency at first, the complacency, quite honestly, will like feel good at the beginning, right, just to relax. But then, within you know some time frame, you start noticing it kind of makes you really lethargic and lazy and you feel like you're moving behind all of a sudden. So you're yeah, not staying yeah. still. You're gonna move. So I think there's an old saying, right? It says, if you're not moving forward, you're moving backward.
2: Yeah. that That is exactly the way I feel too.
3: Yeah, you try taking him to an all-inclusive resort for seven days. After like two days, it's like you know, like I'm not doing anything. I'm bored. I'm like, you know, like there's this, this, I find a lot of, it's, it's a common thread. All you guys are all entrepreneurs. (laughs) Uh, So yeah, before we, before we end off here, Tom, we like to ask, you kind of already shared a quote with us that that was really good. Do you have any other quote that you live by or that embodies, you know, your values or that you think is something you'd want to share?
0: Yeah. I mean, I think one that I've always stood by is like, um, it's it's just uh, I love it too. By the way, it's it's if you help enough people get what they want, you will have everything you want. Yeah, and that's always Zig resonated Ziggler. with me. Yeah, Zig Ziglar, you got it yeah. exactly. <laughs> yeah, so, I love that one. Yeah, and and that's really comes down to is like giving people what they want and and then you know reciprocating. Um, it, it's it definitely helped me grow. I mean, I've always just been passionate about just just helping people and and achieving those same aha moments that I've had. Like I'll tell you a story. Like I had a, a client of mine, and uh, she um, she approached me, and um, her name's Tina, so I can use her. So Tina says to me, she called me, she says, you know, Tom, I'm looking for a job. Do you have any opportunities? Do you know, anyone's looking to hire? And I said, okay, what are you looking for? And and I also asked, what are salary expectations? And she says, well, I'm looking for this, and I'm thinking around like forty thousand or so per year. And I said to her, Tina, have you ever thought about flipping properties? She goes okay, why? Okay, no, not really, but why? I said, well, if I wanted to make 40,000 in a year, I can probably do that within one or two properties. And I still have a lot of free time to spend with my kids, which she had as well. So all of a sudden the light bulb went in her head and she's like, okay, yeah, you know, that would be, uh, that's interesting. And sure enough, she did that. And she had that aha moment that I had that, Hey, I don't need to necessarily work 40 hours a week for that type of salary, I can, I have options here. And we've of course done multiple properties since, but I've just that, you know, those types of moments is what I kind of uh, live for at the end of the day. Cause I think when I first got into real estate investing, it was like, how do I get ahead? How do I get ahead in life from a, from a wealth perspective? And now it's like, how do I help others get ahead It's become kind of my bigger why? And that's just a story that I wanted to share.
2: Oh, that's that's a beautiful story, and and thanks for sharing. And that that is exactly why, you know, that that sense of purpose is what drives us. And um, as well, it's giving back and and seeing other people successful because you've touched or helped them along the way is just so fulfilling. You know.
3: Yeah. Oh, that's great, Tom. So before we wrap up here, uh, we'll put it in our show notes as well. But if people want to get in touch, what's the best way for them to do that? Do you have a website, Instagram, Facebook, anything like that?
0: So you can call us at our office, uh, 905-568-2121. Uh, my email is tom at So I'm sure you can include that. Uh, we do have uh, social media as well. We can certainly include those in the links. Um, but yeah, you can definitely find me and Honestly, uh, at the end of the day, I'm happy to have a chat with people and, um, you know, just see how I can help them.
3: Yeah. So definitely, if you're looking for an agent, looking to get into the flipping world and just looking for someone to sort of help you through your first deal, I think that that is that is awesome, Tom. Like, I I wish we had had somebody who could have helped us way back, uh, open our open our horizon to flipping in a sort of safe environment So and we have some
0: before and after videos, too. You can kind of see the before and after videos. Um, So that's another way to kind of understand what we do. Yeah, no,
3: awesome. So definitely reach out to Tom. And again, Tom, thanks. Thanks so much. Taking time to speak with us today. It was uh, it was a lot of fun.
0: You're welcome, guys. It's
1: been an honor.
3: Awesome.
0: Thanks.
1: I hope you enjoyed today's conversation on the Savvy Real Estate Investor Show make sure to hit subscribe or follow on whichever platform you are listening to this on. If you liked this episode, please write a review and share it with us. We are getting the show up and running right now, so every message, every review, and every note counts. This show exists to showcase how investors at any level can start using and leverage real estate to become savvy wealth builders. If you want to learn more about how we can potentially help you create more passive income and build your wealth faster, go to www.savvyrealestateinvestor.com Once again, it's www.savvyrealestateinvestor.com All right, that's a wrap. We can't wait to hang out with you on the next episode.